We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We have been teasing you endlessly. Well, not endlessly, but we've dropped hints along the way about this year's feature film. Yes, we have. We are currently somewhere right now exhausted and closing down cameras for the day because it's dark out and... We are shooting all day, every day for six days solid. It's something like 12 cars. Yeah, I've got shooting on the brain. Yeah, locations. It's unbelievable. So here we are. We're announcing this year's feature film is featuring Corvettes. Yes. All the generations of the Corvette. Yes. You might have seen it coming, but mm-hmm. really it's in response to what we see in the C8. All the spy photos of the mm-hmm. C8 Corvette coming to be a mid-engine car, even though this has been talked about since mm-hmm. the 60s, it seems like GM is finally doing it, and yeah. therefore we want to celebrate all the architecture as we know the Corvette. It's that first 65 years, and, and honestly, we do. We have the better part of 12 cars in this film. It's going to be astounding. And we had uh, seven or eight. I think it was eight in the 911 film. We had seven <laughs> in the, the uh, M3 film. Yeah. It's a minimum of 10, and I think we may have 12 show up. And our oldest yeah. car, the other thing about it is the Corvette has been around longer than all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Came out in 53, 10 years before the 911, by the way. And our Astounding. oldest car in the film is a 1954. Yeah, our plan is to send out a lot of photos as we're shooting. So watch for Instagram. Yes. That's going to be blown up this week. Hopefully we're going to be yeah, taking lots of photos of various cars along the way. We're doing them actually in chronological order, in generational yes. order. Yes, we are. Driving yes, we are. them back to back. So it'll be our first time in all the cars and getting that seat time it's back to back. Amazing. I'm really excited now. It's going to inform commentary. So it's, again, it's about the history, but it's not the documentary where you see a guy perched on the edge of a wheel and, you know, interviewed for 30 minutes no, about that. No, it's, the, it's uh, us doing what we do. What is, what is it like to drive these cars mm-hmm. that you see at car shows and you think, huh, Wonder what that 53, mm-hmm. 54, what 55 is totally. like to drive. Yeah. It's it's exactly the doing. structure of the 50 years of 911 or Icon yeah. film, but it's for the Corvettes. We have been honestly been working on this film for the last couple of years because yeah. we have started down the road on a couple of occasions and we would find some of the group and not the other half mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. we'd find three in a row and then skip two generations that we can't ever locate. This year it's come together. Yeah. It's come together in a big way with yeah. multiple examples of some of the generations because some of the generations were like 10, 15 years. So you can't just pull a car. So this is where we end up with, if you think about it, the C7. There's seven generations, but there's a lot more cars than that to really cover what's been done. It's exciting. I'm really thrilled. Yeah, they're they're nothing but change throughout the years. That's it's amazing, what the Corvette's yeah. all about. So this will be the feature film that mm-hmm. will drop in December. We're planning on a Christmas release for 2018. Yes. Yes. And watch for more on that. But, yeah, we're exhausted in the middle of shooting. It seems weird to talk about that in advance. But I'm excited and yeah. stressed, and there's so much going on with the shoot and locations. Every generation will have a different location. Yep. Same way we always crazy. do. crazy. I mean, we're in that last few days of pre-production when all it is is logistics, and it starts to be feel overwhelming. And then as it's yeah. happened to us every time we do it, once we start getting out there, driving the car, shooting the cars, all that melts away, and it's just fun. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Things will get easier. So anyway, the following podcast will also be recorded in advance mm-hmm. as well, but we will get to the regular debates. But for this podcast, we do have a topic Tuesday. Yeah. It's all about a garage full of cars. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking. We haven't discussed this for actually a while we've done the hundred thousand dollar garage we've done the three cars and the five cars Mm -hmm. and kind of kept it reasonable but it's been a while since we've allowed ourselves to really dream this is the total ridiculous dream car garage this question came across and the question was essentially okay nate wrote in and said all right 
if we had, he just, he gave us this number arbitrarily, $3 million. Which is a lot of money, by the way. Ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. So $3 million, what would we do? Would we get one ridiculous $3 million car? I can't handle that. Or what would we get a (laughs) litany of cars? And I actually did this two ways. Okay. All right. I looked, I kind of went through my list of stuff that is on my personal list for, I would love to have one of those. Mm. And I realized I could do all of that with a million. Now, a million still is a ridiculous number. It's an incredible amount of money. But I could do all the cars I could really think, I really want one of those for a million. All of them. Hmm. And so then I went, okay, I have... This is this is the crazy sentence. A I two million dollar house. I have an extra two million. So how would I? What would I do that <laughs> Who for? Says cars? that by exactly. the way. So what would I do that for cars? So I did fill the rest of the of the category, and at that point, I will admit I've done what we always do. I actually went to just over two million because a couple of these cars they're varying with market prices, so I don't know. Okay, sure. I, you know they they and when they swing, they swing by like two hundred grand. So it's like right, I, right. You know, but so my extra two million is a little fuzzy. But I did. I I have one. Hang on, one, two, three, four. Five. I have seven cars total with a million dollars. Seven cars with a million dollars, and I couldn't be happier about that seven. Interesting. I broke this up into well. There's one car on the list that I'll I'll cap it at 1.5 million because I have seen them for 1.5 million. Well, I have that one on my extra two million list, but yeah. But the rest are metered out into hey, reasonably expended kinds of some of mine are surprising purchases, yeah. even though yeah, you could say wow, you're really throwing down. It's a lot of money for an old car or something. If you were hoping this was going to be a relatable podcast, it's only relatable because you have stood in a bar somewhere and said, "If I had all the money in the world, this is that part of the podcast. This is not consumer advice. No. This is us having fun. Yeah, we're, we're us. allowing ourselves. Three million dollars is insane." That's incredible. I I can't imagine. And there's people who just you know three million dollars is easy. Nothing. And in fact, speaking of that, speaking of that, and speaking of our Corvette shoot, I want to connect these two realities for just a second. Okay. We were somewhere earlier this week, and we heard a story. We heard it from two different sources about some guy locally, and I don't know how locally. I don't know if it's Park City or Salt Lake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Think about the Corvette shoot we have coming up, and we're excited about having twelve cars to represent sixty-five years. Right. Right. This guy is supposedly enlisting some local shop to help him find and restore. Follow this sentence. Listen very closely. Not one of every generation of Corvette. No, no. One Corvette for every model year. The car's been around for 65 years. Yeah. He wants, came out in 53. Think about this. He wants one for every model year. My understanding, he's got a pretty good start on this collection, too. Well, but the other thing I had to think about he's is if you're, if you're a guy doing a collection like that, I don't think this is your first car collection. I think you have a collection of random stuff that's already probably jaw-dropping. And then sure. you're like, you know what I should do? So for that guy, he's probably thinking, I only have $3 million. For you and I, it's like, candy store. $3 million. And I came to this with the – it's sort of the dreaming, but filtering it through the – do I really want that? Even if I did mm-hmm. have this kind of crazy amount of money, would I really, mm-hmm. would I really, even though you just see some beautiful car and you think, all right, that's a hot, cool supercar, and you think, oh, I want that. Do yeah. you really want that? Or are you yeah, just I impressed right now in the moment and it's caught your eye and you're thinking, okay, wouldn't it be cool? But yeah. do you really? And yeah. here's the other thing. I mean, we're dreaming, but having these kinds of cars, it takes a lot of effort and money to ingest into your collection, into your garage, into a storage space. 
it takes a lot of infrastructure just mm-hmm. to ingest cars, insurance, tires, yes. fuel, yes. all those kinds of things. That where are they stored? How are they stored? Well, how are they driven? When are they driven? All these kinds of things. I'll, I'll, I'll go one further on I'm, that regard. I'm putting realistic expectations on a dream. Of course garage, you are. Of maybe? course you are. But here's the thing: the mini raffle. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm is on some level about as easy as I could possibly change up cars. One of you out there is going to leave with the title and the mini raffle for the small amount of money you put in for the raffle, which is really cool. Very cool. But on the other end of the spectrum, while I'll be very excited to see you go, I have to find another car, source the car, be happy with the car, pay for the car, get a loan for the car as necessary, pay for the car across the board, deal with the registration for the car, get winter tires. I have to do all of those things on a car that won't be very expensive. And that's just one car and that's one inexpensive no big deal car. Uh-huh. yeah we're we're in a totally different category here for sure yeah uh, maybe it's wrong to put that kind of expectation on but you think all right but it happens you've got to know a there. mechanic mm-hmm. you think all right i want that super lamborghini whatever who's your mechanic where do you take it where do you live do you have <laughs> yeah. to ship that car yeah, to that's good las vegas for the that's nearest good. mechanic or the nearest san francisco service center or say you've got to ship it to chicago or mm-hmm. florida or where are you even though we're just dreaming but everybody asks us, oh, so what's your favorite car? And I hate that question. Yeah. We have to back up and put parameters on it. Some sort of parameters. It's so hard to have a car. It's like, and I'm done. You know? Yeah. So the other question for you is, are we limiting ourselves to cars that we've driven or are we giving ourselves some mulligans? We're, I'm, I'm going beyond stuff just what you're doing. I kind of did that because too. Because I think I when you're dealing too. in this kind of financial realm, you, you kind of have to because there's stuff we haven't been in. Look, look. one of the cars, I know this is obvious because I've talked about it before, but one of the cars in my quote-unquote extra $2 million <laughs> is the Pagani Huayra. That's been on your list for be, a long time. Which is going to be, you know, yeah. every bit of a, of a million and a half of my extra $2 million. Without even trying, it's every bit of a million and a half. And I've seen them listed at $2 million by Can themselves. I? And when they first came out, they were supposedly only a million-dollar car. So where does that car really land? I don't know. Do I think I'll ever really own one? Probably not. Yeah, but it is yeah. one of those rare cars where I just think, okay, I see where a million dollars went, okay? but Or $2 million or whatever it is. So, I mean, <laughs> it makes a $250,000 car look like a beater. Look like I'm just being, I'm being really, really <laughs> smart with my money. Exactly. Anyway, so that's clearly a car we haven't driven. I know about it. The rest of the cars I've either, I've either driven. Actually, there's one, another one I haven't driven at all. But I've either driven. Or I've driven something related to it so I can extrapolate up to, I would love that car. Mm. So, yeah. So I have my under million list, which I'm really proud of. And then I have my extra two million list. Wow. There's going to be a lot of Porsches in my garage. You probably expected that. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm not surprised. The entire discography of Porsche might be in my collection. <laughs> With all the Paul's sounds Paul's Porsche therein. Volume 4. Paul's Porsche <laughs> Volume 5. Okay. So are you starting or am I diving in? Dive in. I say dive okay. in. Uh Look, my I'm going to go extra two million because I'm already kind of there. My yeah. my extra two million part, which is really okay. ridiculous, is the Bugatti Huayra. Okay. The it's probably it, it's ranged between three hundred and five hundred thousand in prices. I don't know where it really lands. Hmm. I, I'm just going to say it's a half million dollar car, which does get me to my two million. But I know that it's fuzzy. The nine nine seven GT three RS four zero is in my extra two million. Oh, it's good. not in the the first million. That's crazy. And then the last one in the <laughs> extra two million is the BAC Mono. Oh, right. So theoretically, which and those prices I've seen range everything from like a hundred thousand to two fifty. So where does it land? I don't know. So they're inexpensive bargain. Yeah, seriously. But those three cars are in my like I have extra extra mm. money part. the The main part that I'm very proud of is my list for under a million dollars. These cars add up to a million total, and I would be beyond giddy. 
I'm I'm estimating. I didn't really go after prices, so well, I'm I'm totally. I'm, I I rounded here. things. You did? I rounded okay. things and went. All I didn't right. go out to pennies. I just rounded things. But that's roughly like okay. I'll give you an example for my wife: a hundred eighty thousand dollar Cayenne Turbo. Lovely, excellent okay. choice. Which, by the way. The sentence of I'm buying my wife a $180,000 Cayenne Turbo. I nearly had a heart attack saying that, by the way. So this is how much I know I'm not in reality. But that's on the list, okay? Interesting. Um, the uh, the Eagle E-Type Ooh, at every good. bit of 200000 Good. You have to buy your E-Type, and then you spend another, which you know is probably going to cost you sixty to 100000 by itself. And then you spend another hundred having the Eagle guys in England make it modern and yes. That's my Excellent. Singer 911. I don't have a Singer 911 on my list. That's my equivalent is the Eagle E-Type. Yeah. So there's yeah. that for 200 grand. For 100 grand, I have to do it. The Avora 400. I would Good. just go buy one. Good. Avora 400. Sure. Drive it, love it, track it, whatever. In a similar vein, I, I ended up having a lot of mid-engines on my list. I just Did can't, you? Can't Did you? It. Yeah. Uh, the McLaren 720S. That's on your list? Every sure. bit of 300 grand. McLaren 720s. And I think here's the th- here's the crazy thing. I think the McLaren's the daily and the Evora is the every now and then and then the track car. Mm. Although you could easily track the you McLaren. You could track the McLaren. You could totally track the McLaren. Happily. I'm not saying you would. Of course you could. Of course you could. But so this is how much in madness I am. And then you'll be surprised at the remaining 3. Okay. Because they're going to seem remarkably normal. But I would have to have them. Okay. The Ford Raptor for 60k of course there's my a wife's, raptor on there. my wife's driving the turbo on the nice snowy days and i'm in the raptor going yep we got this done. i think i'll take the alternate route to work i'm gonna go over the top of the mountain actually exactly. yeah i'm just gonna exit here i know there's not an exit but i'm exiting here but i'm exiting exactly. i don't know so what the rest of you are doing the, the, the ford raptor <laughs> the uh bmw 1m yeah yeah and the alfa romeo julia quadrifolio that's on your list. Yes. No kidding. So those are my seven cars. McLaren 720, Cayenne Turbo for my wife, Evora 400, BMW 1M, the Raptor, the Julia Quadrifolio, and the Eagle E-Type. That whole list is done at a million dollars. I can't believe I said that, but there it is. Holy cow. I'm very proud of that million-dollar garage. That's an excellent, I would, well-curated I would just I sit like there that. and be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. Wow. Yeah, that's a gorgeous collection. And I yeah, I'm I'm I know we're dreaming. Mm-hmm. I know we mm-hmm. are. It's fun, but I think doing so allows you to um not let those dreams you had as a kid as a kid die. Oh, I, I guess. agree with that. I totally agree. And with you're that. Yeah. in the grind of life and you're thinking, and I know I'm speaking to car enthusiasts and mm-hmm. we're all kind of doing that anyway, but we get caught up in that, you know what, I can't afford it, so I'm not even gonna look. I'm not even yeah. gonna pay attention and therefore I'm not gonna pay attention to reviews or specs or I'm not saying look at the latest, you know, Lamborghini YouTube video. That's not what I'm saying. But, but we will anyway. But yeah, I take a point. We will anyway. But you know what I mean. So shall I start with Porsches or shall I not? Because I have a lot of non-Porsche selections, actually. Uh, well, I just, how did you break this down? Did you just, here's my $3 million list? I, I, yeah, kind of. Okay. I'm estimating and I might have blown it out, but I allowed myself <laughs> to blow it out a little bit. Why not? My extra $2 million got real fuzzy with the math, so I take your point, yeah. <laughs> Fuzzy math at that point. Well, the car that is $1.5 million car is a Porsche 959. That is on my list. Spend that is, half your budget on that Porsche. Yes, without a doubt. Bravo. I was actually thinking, how about a $1.5 million 959 mm-hmm. and a $1.5 million Earthroamer to get around? You know those cool, customized <laughs> I know. off-road I know. R- RVs? The rolling houses sweet. that are nicer than most people's $1.5 million houses. I'll live in that, drive to... 
the grocery store in that to yeah. get food, and then I've got the nine fifty nine. Unbelievable. Just kidding. Unbelievable. I could see you do it though, yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's a lot of Porsches on here. <laughs> I'll admit. Okay, I'm just going to hang on. I'm just going to brace myself for, for Porsche love. Here it goes. Quickly, 3.2 Carrera, a 928 GTS, a 993, probably a 98, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. Carrera 2S, mm-hmm. a 991 GT3. Okay, hang, hang on. I'm actually going to stop you and have Ooh. you give approximate year range so the people that Ooh. don't speak 911 yeah, right. nomenclature can understand the range. 1987 or 1988 3.2 Carrera. Copy that. Same years for a 928 GTS. Yes. Well, no, I'd have to go early 90s for the GTS. Okay. All right. Sure. 993 will go 98. It's the late 90s car. It's the late last 90s. of the air cooled that everybody worships. This was the it's last that. year of that yep. car. Yep, yep. And 2S, probably. Uh, 991 GT3, ideally pretty late, 2016, so 2017. the current there. gen about to be replaced. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can get it with manual, I'd be happy with that. And a Cayman GT4, which is currently in production. It's uh, actually, well, not currently. It's actually being replaced by the 718 here shortly. Oh, sure, so. sure, sure. Okay, yeah. But yes, a uh, Cayman GT4. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Moving on to BMW, though. Wow. Okay, that's a list. Keep going. There's an, a surprising amount of BMWs on my list. Okay, all right. Good for you. M2. Yeah. The 1M is also on here. Mm-hmm. An 88M6. An 88E30 mm. M3. Yeah, 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 that's a great car. And a 1972 3.0 CSL. Really? Gorge. Okay. Gorge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a car from that, that's a real icon from that era for sure. So I've spent probably, well, yeah, <laughs> doing quick, well, I, I, might have, I might be right up against the, eesh. All right, I'll keep going without, um, <laughs> <clears throat> I'll, I'll just keep going here. The, I, I rounded my numbers up and actually got out a calculator because I can't do did this you really? much math. I did. I made sure it was, I was really under a million. I mean, like an 88 M6 is going to be what, forty fifty thousand yeah, dollars A yeah, nice yeah. one? You're, you're doing okay on a lot of an these. An M2 is going to be fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mean, you, come on. You got a lot of them there that are in, in almost reality that we million. would normally talk about the show. Almost. Let's say we're up to two. Okay. Mercedes AMG GTS. Yeah. Lush. Yeah. Luscious. For sure. The... Um, Monterey Car Show that Chance and I went to a few weeks ago. That's a bad place to, to answer any part of this question. That's the, the worst place to answer that this question. Is, this is going to be really strange. Okay. But I am attracted to the Urus. Chance and I had a chance to sit in the new SUV uh-huh. from Lamborghini. Okay. It's surprisingly right. cool. Okay. I don't like pictures of it, and we liked it in person. Interesting. Okay. It was compelling. The interior is okay. interesting. Or an LM002 with the most high-pitched V12 noise coming out of the back of that thing. I've never heard one drive in anger. We were following one. Really? On Carmel Valley Road. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was high-pitched V12 just Interesting. wound out. And okay. I went, that right. sound is coming from that huge truck. Interesting. Okay, I haven't heard one either. That's, that's interesting. We've never heard one. Okay. We roll our windows down to think, am I hearing what you're – is that the right – that sound huh. doesn't go with that truck. That's interesting. Okay. Crazy. I've got to have an aerial nomad on my list. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Bombing around. Yeah. The, yeah. Corvette C706 for 100 grand. Yeah. Ford GT350R really for 75. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are on my list. Those are just buzzy, compelling, yeah, for amazing. Sure. For sure. yep. Can't wait to get into it. And a first-gen Acura NSX is on my list, too. That was. I so, really love that some car. of those are shortlisting for me too. I get that for I sure. I love yeah. that car. Maybe a radical as a race car, just in case I need some track days. But you know, <laughs> I could drive any of the in other case ones. Case I here. need some track days. Yeah, holy moly. Yeah, that was that was fun because I, I really had to think hard about 
you know, just because it's a Lamborghini, you know, or yeah. something yeah, hot, yeah. could this be switched in and out with a few cars? Yes, it could. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I was attracted to having a LM002 Craziness. or an Urus before a Huracan, let's say. Okay. Why? What's wrong That's with me? That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm... I, I don't know. You, well, you looked at your garage and said, I really need an SUV. What's an absurd SUV? And what absurd. brand haven't I not covered? Both of them are absurd. Problem solved. That's, it's yes. almost like the, the normal Lamborghinis, if you can call them that, yeah. are just sort of, yeah, everybody's got one. Right? Ex- except I think the Urus is going to be that car. I think it's going to be in certain places. Beverly Hills, for example. It's absurd. The Middle East. It's going to be, there's, cool. it's going to be there's another one. Oh, yeah. They're going to build so many. They're going to sell a ton of them. It's just going to be a there's another one. I was interested. There was space in the back seat. You know, we looked at it through the eyes of, does this have any space in the back seat for tall guys? And Mm -hmm. could I do a road trip? And could I actually use this all the time? And we came away going, wow, this seems useful. It's that same chassis that is under the the Q7 and the Cayenne and all of those. It's that same modular Volkswagen idea that's that's underpinned all of those cars. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Wow. And just, yeah, kind of remembering that. But then there's this absurd, you know, military-grade, you yes. know, LMO2. The, <laughs> the Italian Hummer is what it really it's is. So it's so crazy. Just, it's, and V12 <laughs> madness. <laughs> yeah, it was really shocking to hear that that truck. It was just That's crazy. Yeah, I, I realize now that you're talking about it, I've never heard one running. You think growly, deep, think, throaty think, bass. Yeah, yeah. Nope. Think about the most high-strung bike that you've heard. An, an Italian high-strung 12-cylinder. You're sure. Like, what? Sure. Yeah. That's that thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. No wonder it didn't pass military spec. I'd sneak it up on nobody. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that shrieking from four exactly. miles away. We'll sell them to civilians and That's get rid of them that way. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we haven't even talked about show business, as a matter of fact. We've got to talk about that for... The episode four that's coming this Saturday, mm-hmm. that is a repeat As from we come down the first to serious weeks. reality. Yeah, we do. That is a repeat of the five-seat Phenom CUV Screaming piece. back. Yes, that is about as real as it gets coming off of our there multi-million-dollar cars. There are no Oh, God, please stop. Anyway, yeah. There is not a plural of the Urus in that piece at all. Even though it could work as a CUV, I can't believe I just said that, but it is true. So anyway, yes. It seemed useful. The five-seat Phenom is coming up this following Saturday and it is all available. The entire season's available on Amazon. The entire season's available on Vimeo. So if, yep. you, if you're overseas, anywhere international and also Canada because we don't understand why that's the case, you can get it via Vimeo. Amazon is US and UK and you can do it right there on Amazon Prime. You can get season two, season three. Season one is available as a free Prime thing. So all of those are there. So we're very excited those are all out and, uh, and you can actually now do the Amazon by season option as well. Yes, and I will also add, if you've ever heard of Patreon or are not aware that we do have a patron page on patreon.com, we do. And if you're able to support the show and everything goes right back to production, it's for season four that we're currently in the midst of shooting. Once we get past the Corvette film shoot, yeah, gonna be astounding. Going a couple things going on, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're not I bored. I say that, but we're not bored. Yeah. We're amazed because we have an hour long conversation before even pushing the record button mm-hmm. for the podcast. Thank you, guys. If you've got your debate, if you've got your own debate, write to us, TV at gmail.com, or you can find us on the contact button on the website. All the stuff is on there, all the information about the raffle, all the upcoming totally. events, all that kind of stuff is on there. 
And keep in mind that we are not only asking for your social media questions before we record, but also out of those social media questions very often. Our Fun Topic Tuesdays come out of some of your questions that we read and go, that's a fun one, but we can't cover that quick. I need to think on it. Yes. If it's a so longer, coming you out of chew air. on this for a while, it might be eligible for Topic Tuesdays. Yeah. So please send those So well. those are happening. We're yeah. looking at all of your questions on social media, and we do love those. And that that's some of, sometimes some of our most fun sections of the podcast. So thank you guys for those. Taking a quick break. We'll be back. Since you're listening to our show, we recommend another show that you'll probably really like. If you haven't listened already, it's The Car Cast with Adam Carolla. Incredibly, this is the longest-running automotive podcast. It's twice-weekly automotive show hosted by Adam Carolla, wrestling superstar Bill Goldberg, and Matt the Motorator D'Andrea. CarCast is kind of the only show of its kind. I mean, they explore every area of the automotive world. These guys will answer your questions, they will offer advice, and they often feature guests from the automotive industry and a lot of celebrity car enthusiasts, which are a lot of fun to listen to. CarCast is every Wednesday with Goldberg and the moderator, Matt D'Andrea, and every Friday with Adam Carolla and the moderator. You can find it on Podcast One, the Podcast One app, iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. And when you're there getting your podcast, be sure to rate that show and rate this one too. Our sponsor, Wrangler, has given us slightly different copy for our ad, so we realize there's only one way to handle this. We have to bring back the voice. Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans. The pair that fits perfectly and always looks great. The pair you wear out at night, at home, on the couch, at work, wherever. They're the go-to and you can't underestimate their importance. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability, Wrangler jeans are made for the adventurers, the go-getters, the folks who like to keep moving, whether you ride a bike, a bronc, a skateboard, or even drive a car. You could be a person that just wanders the earth looking for we're not sure what. These are still the jeans for you. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits, even vintage re-releases, with a price that works for you. Wrangler has something for everybody. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear for men and for women. New styles, great fits. Wrangler. Real, comfortable jeans. That was proper. Yeah. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does that actually mean? You know, the same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees, accessories, everything, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Well, because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers already know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features aren't available in all states. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. This episode's debate is from Michael Kay. He's out in San Francisco, mm -hmm. and he writes to us asking what fun tiny car can he get in the big city 
Yep. As a music teacher, what yep. can he get? Well, but he's he's worried about parking. That's the bottom line of this equation. That really, I, is I the live headline. in San Francisco. Yeah. My parking is terrible. I have a tiny, tiny space out in front of my place. But then the twist that I find interesting about this whole debate is it's actually a two-car debate, and the concern is for parking. Yeah, he said, I'm debating getting two cars. One, he can park right in front of the house with ease, Mm -hmm. and a family car that he can drive his parents or his girlfriend around in, Mm -hmm. and he would prefer an automatic on this car so that he can drive them around in that car as well. And they can drive it themselves if need be. Right, he can say, all right, you guys have that car while he commutes into the city, or he goes on some fun roads, maybe in the Bay Area. Yes, we do have some suggestions. Yes, for sure. There's uh, actually many just uh, to the east, as a matter of fact. Yeah, there's one specifically that that I can call out here in a minute, but yeah, that's a great one as well. So he's looking at a few choices, wondering what he can get for a budget of about 40K. He's bumped me up, Paul Limiter, to about 45. <laughs> and there's a side note that I noticed in his email here that okay. I'd like to discuss for a okay. Great. He said, I'd prefer non-American. Mm-hmm. And I know what you mean, Michael. Everyone yeah. knows what you mean. But let's redefine non-American. Is non-American mm, a Toyota question. Camry assembled by American workers? Mm. Is non-American mm. the Nissan Titan that's assembled? Is it the... All the BMWs in South Carolina are all the Mercedes-Benzes in Alabama. Can you not buy a BMW because it got built here? That's an interesting question. Are these question. non-American you're, you're, cars? You're, you're splitting hairs a little bit, but assembled? I take your point. Is the Camaro non-American because it's made in Canada or assembled yeah. in Canada? Yeah, what about the Jeep Grand Cherokee that I used to have that was a um, <clears throat> world car with an engine <laughs> built in Mexico and a chassis built by Mercedes yeah. that shared that and uh, owned by the Italians and assembled in Detroit? Mm-hmm. Truly a world car. Clearly. Doesn't have any idea where it's from. But that was an American car, you know, an American Jeep. And that's what we've said before is really the dividing line is typically, and that's really how he's thinking. The dividing line is he's talking American brands. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. this, there's another twist here now that you brought this up. Let's be honest. The reason that Michael is probably saying no American cars is because he has probably had a bad experience with reliability on an American car. Could be. Most of the time when people are just American cars are not, not, not possible. That's the reason why. And in most, most cases, not always, and I don't know if this is your situation, Michael, but in most cases, when I know people like that, they had an American car 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So they've come a long way. Mm. But then the other thing going on here that I find fascinating is the first car that he recommends to himself for small car is the Fiat 500 a BART. <laughs> and if you look at the listing of reliability, <laughs> Fiat say. is the bottom feeder. Mm-hmm. So if the concern for American... I mean, this this gets really complex and gray area quickly because if you're concerned for no American cars is because I don't think they're reliable, it's really hard for me to say, then you should run to Fiat. And I love the 500 <laughs> a BART. Which is, yeah, owns an American company now. And yes, it's it's all very complex. Fiat Chrysler nowadays. America. Oops. Wait, were we in trouble now? I don't know. Yeah. But Fiat has not done well in reliability ratings. But I mean, we've talked about this before. All cars sold right now across the board are more reliable than they were ten years ago. Absolutely. So it's like the number of the, the companies that actually chase it, like the number of problems in the first hundred days or whatever it is, however they chase it. Everybody's lifted. It's just like Range Rover and Fiat are fighting for the bottom. I've always kind of snickered at that J.D. Power rating when they say, best initial quality. I'm thinking, well, it's new. Of course it's best initial quality. It's new. Have you checked it out? It's new. It's not. It's brand new. It just came out of the factory. 
Of course. It feels great. Those awards should all be for three years old. If you work for J.D. Power, please yeah. convince me otherwise. Please yeah. help me understand those, why those awards should be at, at, at least that. for the first year old. Because <laughs> it just rolled off the assembly Cut. line, and we think it's put together pretty well. Well, currently, yes. Best initial quality. It's got five miles on it. Of course, it has best initial quality, <laughs> initially speaking. So, okay, we have to try to find a good small car for Michael and a decent family car. And, and here's the thing. In spite of this debate we're having amongst ourselves without you, we should have you on the phone. For, uh, yeah, for, for what's up with Why No American Cars, I'm still going to say I see your Fiat 500 Abart. That is a genuinely fun, genuinely small car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Fiat <laughs> reliability might be a question, but I, but I mean, look, I, most people I know that have had those cars have loved them. That is the question, Mark. The family car currently is the IS200T. So mm-hmm. the Lexus is in there. Yep. Probably great. Just fine. Everything's fine about that car. And what he's driven struck me because his list of the cars he's driven, if this is true, Michael, it's three cars that you've driven in your life. It's tiny, yep. It's the current car that you have that you said, hey, my Honda Civic, my 03 Honda Civic is getting kind of old, need to replace it, a Mazda minivan, and an Acura TSX. I'm counting five cars. Ever. I mean, maybe rental cars. Yeah, and if maybe he's driven the Fiat 500 and, and the IS200T, if he's driven those, you know, you're right. We've got a total five-car list. You're right. That's not large. No, it's tiny, in fact. And so welcome to your adventure, Completely. Michael. Welcome completely. to yep, yep. what's out there. You've probably heard us discuss all kinds of cars mm-hmm. endlessly. But I'm excited for you. This is a real opportunity Agreed. to branch Agreed. out. Yep. So I'm starting out, jumped in here with... You know, the $45,000 budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I am thinking two cars. So and the, the Civic is going away now. I thought, okay, you know, for the front of the house, the original small car that could be parked easily anywhere. The Mini Cooper S. I agree with that. It's on my list too. I thought for the front of the house, fifteen grand, And then, you know, something German in there because okay. I don't see any German cars. Okay. Time to experience one of those. I thought, huh, maybe a Golf R, an Audi S3. But wait a minute. How about... The M3 sedan, the E90 mm. M3 sedan. It's a family car with anger. I like that. Or yeah, maybe sure. an M235i for 30 to 35. Sure. Right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That M3 sedan has really got me thinking again. And you can get, get it with a DCT. <laughs> Everybody yeah. can drive it. Yeah. It's the equal opportunity gas hog, really. It is. Everyone Everybody can throw their credit card gas. at that. You're right. Absolutely. We yeah. can all share in the fuel cost for that yep. baby. But I started there and I thought, okay, you know. Keeping it all BMW, the Mini and the uh, the M3. It's it's all BMW, right? And then I thought, let's let's really dig deeper. Okay, those might be the foregone conclusions. You might think. Sure, sure, sure. Know. But let's dig deeper. Even though I'm recommending another Honda for you, it's a very different character. Okay, it's the Honda CRZ. Interesting, tiny car, surprisingly decent car to drive. Good six-speed. I like that. That's interesting, for sure. Honda CRZ, and you know you trust this car. It's reliable. You're just going to be able to trust it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I went shopping, and I did find something that isn't American. It's not Japanese. It's not German. Uh Uh-oh. It's not Swedish. You went Korean, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Kia Stinger GT2s, everyone, are now $34,909. How? I've got the site. Jerry Siner used, used ones? here in Salt Lake in South Jordan has yeah. one for thirty four K. GT two. What's the mileage? 
Uh, let me check. I'll get back to you on that. I'll look this but up. I, but I guess somebody had it for six months is what we're saying. Yeah. Oh, 12 miles. Brand new. Wait, 2018. What? Kia Stinger GT2, $34,909. Jerry Siner Buick GMC Yeah, I've Kia. driven by that place before. They've got one in red. It's gorgeous. GT2 I Kia I know right where that dealer is. They've got a line of GT of, of Kia Stinger sitting there, but right I can't believe they've got here. one for thirty-five grand. Thirty-five grand. Get yourself a brand new Stinger. Everybody will love yes. that car. Yes, I agree. I'm not sure where you park it. I don't know how bad. That's the thing. You don't That's tell for us the back of the house. You don't tell us where the where the family car gets parked. So right. hopefully it gets parked sim- somewhere simple, and hopefully it's in the driveway, and the other one has to sit out front or something. CRZ Mini that Cooper in the front a, of the house. That is a great. Great find. Kia Stinger. That, I mean, is a, that is a ton of car for 35 oh grand. Gosh. It's a good car at 50. At 35, it's like we should all get one. I'm not seeing a reason not to. Yeah. yeah 365 yeah. twin turbo V6. 365 horsepower. Yeah. Honestly, everybody's going to want to drive this car. Yeah, it's, it's good looking. It's, it's nice large, to be in. Yeah. But I thought, you said your girlfriend, your parents, you guys are going to want to go out, mm-hmm. road trips, go out to dinner. Well done. I like it. I like it Kia a lot. Kia Stinger GT2. Are you kidding me? Mm, that's, a, that's a real find for sure. Wow. Okay. All right. You did well. You did really well. Working on it. Love the Germans. I love those cars. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but this is compelling. This gets it out there. Something different, Michael. Okay. So uh, that, that's your that's your, that's your where choice. I'm that's a good place to land. I yeah. figure you kind of have to drop the mic at that point. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna chase this small car first, and and the big thing that I took away from your No American thing is okay. I'm by and large, trying to find you things that I think are just going to run. And I'm leaning even more that way for the family car even than the fun car. Okay, fair enough. The commute car, the little car I'm looking at trying to do two things. I'm trying to find you a car that is genuinely... Genuinely small, like small parking space in your five Lotus minutes. 7 Caterham? No, I didn't go that far. Okay. Genu- genuinely small, but also you could commute in it. Okay. So it's going to have decent gas mileage, and it does that as well. You, you, and, and you kind of gave me parameters already by saying uh, Fiat 500 Abarth. Very mm-hmm. cool. Very right, cool. Right, right. You need to go drive the Fiesta ST. Sure, absolutely. We know people that commute in that car, and they love commuting in it, and then they autocross it and put the kids in it and hoon it. And that car is it, – it, here's the thing. It perfectly encapsulates the – economy subcompact that I bought just because I have to commute while, by the way, surprise, it's fun. So it does <laughs> All both. I can think of is handbrake turns. I think of Fiesta ST and I think of handbrake turns. You almost don't even need the handbrake. All I think of. It's got fantastic liftoff oversteer for rotation. <laughs> it it's just like quick liftoff. It starts to rotate. It's like, just that's perfect. Now you're back in. wheel motion just, tripod. It's it's awesome. crazy fun. Yeah. And it does the, <laughs> that's just my commute car. By the way, notice it's Skittle Orange. Please do that. Anyway, right. so Fiesta ST, you already brought up the Mini Cooper S. I think that's a great one. But then I also thought of this. Okay. I'm thinking about on all of these, you're spending maybe 10, 12, 15 grand at the most for mm. all, of these, all these little cars. Mm. For that money, you can find an incredibly nice third gen Mazda Miata, the NC with the power retractable hardtop. Oh, Good one. And if you want to get that in an automatic, I think you should get it in a stick. But if you get that in an automatic because it's a commute car, still a fun car. Power retractable hardtop, not a very yeah. big car, very fun to drive. You're now into rear-wheel drive, which I would love to get you into rear-wheel drive. That is not in your, in your category at all. Let's get you rear-wheel mm. drive mm. for that fun car. That's my favorite because you can just go out. With, with 12 grand in your pocket, you just go out and buy a nice one. I was going to say, how much really are those? Nice 12 grand? Less than fifteen, anywhere you want to go. Sure, it's last gen with the power hardtop. Yes, That's right. That was the only generation they did that hardtop with the full on. retractable power hardtop. They're out there. You can get them automatic. I mean, uh, added get weight a stick, to the car, but whatever. Who cares for the, for this usage? Especially, it's irrelevant. Tiny. It's irrelevant. 
it it's actually like, makes it like, so much more usable. It's in like my mind. seventy. It's like seventy-five uh, pounds of extra weight. And here's the interesting thing: huh. the power retractable hardtop does a better job with wind than the current RF. Wow. Well, I can see I that. like the RF. You the RF that. is my favorite, yeah. but the RF has some wind buffeting right at the pillars, right at the B pillars, with the top up or down, okay? Because it's actually a Targa that, that tucks away. This coming from a Lotus Elise driver, everyone. I know. I know. I, look, I'm aware of all the, the, irony the, is thick. All of the rattles and wind on, on, the, <laughs> on the Lotus. It's not lost on me. But my point is that NC with a full power retractable hardtop does both better. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. I I, that's that. my favorite one for you. For family car, I went a little more normal, and I also just thought about cars that are nice to look at. They're nice to be in. They run, and they're dynamically solid. Hmm. I have three for you that I think okay. will be all of those all of those things. The Mazda Six, good. Just go buy a Mazda Six. They're compelling. Uh, you've they're got great. you've got you know twenty five to thirty grand left in your budget. Just go buy one. Buy one six months old and save yourself a few thousand. And take everybody out to dinner on your leftover cash. Mazda Six, great one. Uh, Volvo S60. Oh. Get a couple year used one of those. Oh. Really nice interior, surprisingly spacious back seats. Just a nice place to be. Dig it. Volvo S60. And the last one, you mentioned the IS200T. I'm going to chuck that out, but I'm going to stay Lexus. Okay. Go shop the current Lexus IS350 F Sport. That's a hot car, actually. Because when you get to drive it for fun, you're going to really enjoy it. And I've got your rear-wheel drive again. Ooh, yeah, right. But yet, it's a Lexus. It's just going to run. I I realize the styling. Look, I'm not a huge fan of the Predator Maw. I I admit it's grown on me. But I'm not a huge fan still. They execute it well on some models and not so well on others. Uh, But the IS350, if you can get the F-Sport, I think everybody's just going to like that car. It's just a nice place Mm -hmm. to be, and it's a solid car to drive, and it's just going to run. And it's still Lexus. You're already in the Lexus. Absolutely world Absolutely. so universe this is what i want for you hopefully michael something here is nice i love the idea of you have a miata and a lexus and <laughs> the family's happy you're you're happy it's pretty cool i like the both rear-wheel drive kind of thing i i think it's time to branch out and get that why not yeah. and you asked about roads in your area fun roads in your area i'm going to give you one right now and that is mines road south of livermore yep we've shot on it and it is much longer than you think Mm-hmm. You, you literally have to mm-hmm. like plan. Granted, it's San Francisco. You got to plan most of your day just to get there, which is the downside of the large <laughs> metropolitan areas. Plan of California. lunch or something. But here's the thing: you get on that road and you just decide how far do I want to go? Because I guarantee you, the road is still going when you go. Maybe I should turn around. <laughs> right. It's it's a really long, yeah, great going. back road. So it's very cool. All right. Well, we've got to jump to questions, but thank you for writing in, Michael. We really appreciate it. Hope this is helpful, and good luck on your newly embarking on your new mm-hmm. uh, your new career of. Driving cars and having it's, a great It's time. a great place where you're just like, oh, I've got all this stuff I could go drive. Yeah, so And one cool. of them I'll buy. Perfect. Love it. So cool. All right. So the questions in here are excellent. I am laughing at this from Kirk M. Talking about the best enthusiast car from Dodge or SRT that isn't a Viper. Okay. This is a difficult question. He's really saying, is Viper the best enthusiast car from Dodge or SRT? Okay. I mean, yeah, it's an enthusiast car, but I almost don't even think it's an enthusiast car. It's just a race car that you're going to go bash people over the head with. Yeah. You're just going to go win. It's 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 a track vehicle. Certainly by the time they yeah. they recently killed it, it's a track car. I mean, I've I've actually never thought of this as an enthusiast car like I think of an a Toyota 86 as an enthusiast car. Sure. Sure, sure. It is. Mm-hmm. But it's just you don't see them that often, I guess. I want us to drive three generations of the Viper. Yeah. Put that yeah. on camera and compare them, you know, which one is the most 
you know, heat on my leg. Which one which, is trying to kill me the most? Right. Yeah, exactly. So this yeah. car is the hottest side pipes, and therefore yeah. it wins, yeah. whatever. This one somehow got me fourth-degree burns when I stepped out of the car. Exactly. I don't even know that's possible. That's a category I didn't know existed. Exactly. <laughs> I, want, I want to drive those generations. That'd be great. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I guess it is, but I don't see Dodge in my mind as, you know, the small, chuckable things. I mean, they're the, well, it's the be- muscle cars. It's because you and I think small in relation mm. to enthusiast cars, and Dodge doesn't do that. But there is the whole generation and, and section of enthusiasts that it's all about drag racing. It's all about big bruiser power. And at that point, you just pretty much go, does it have a Hellcat motor? Dodge has this locked up. Yes, SRT, they do. They have yes, this they do. locked yep. up. And honestly, to their credit, they have gone this direction kind of to the, um, you know, for the sake of polarity, I'll guess. <laughs> Not to spite anybody, but just for the sake of we're going our own direction. And they have clearly done it yes. well. It's almost like they looked at the automotive landscape and said, what can we do that no one's doing? <laughs> and then they went, huge engine, let's embrace it. And they have, have big time. Big it's time. a fun exercise to talk about cars to drop a Hellcat motor into. Why not? Yeah. It's also a sort of dream garage. But then we do it just <laughs> with Dodge products. We think, why doesn't uh, every car? That would actually differentiate the brand. Every car that we make has a Hellcat engine Every car has a Hellcat version. Trucks, minivans, cars... Everything has the, <laughs> the same Hellcat engine. Hellcat Caravan. I'm actually saving Dodge money because we're going to one engine, one engine only. It's the Volvo model with far more gas being burned. <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything we make has that motor from now till the rest okay, of time. Okay, so the, the Caravan, does that become the, the Hellavan? Something the Hellavan, the Dodge Hellavan. Something that nobody's expecting, yeah, that's for sure. Nobody's expecting that. Dad's laying 40 yards of rubber at every intersection yeah. going to pick up the kids. All of the drinks in all of the cup holders <laughs> all got spilled at the same time. Exactly. It's fantastic. I can spin the tires and spill all the drinks. Watch this. It's going to be great. I'm going to lay my phone on the dash and make another YouTube video of the phone yeah. hitting my kid in the forehead yeah. when I accelerate. My fourth kid in the, th- in the seventh <laughs> row is going to get hit in the forehead with my iPhone. Watch. It's going to be great. Love making those videos. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think the Viper is, and unfortunately, it is no longer. It's yeah. it's out. The discussion that they may bring it back, but that's Do they like, res- resurrect know. this? Who knows? Do they we'll keep see. it going? It's, it's, I mean, honestly, even among sports, sports cars, that's a major niche car. Totally. Be- because of, yeah. you have to have somebody that has the money and looks at everything else in the lineup at around 100 grand and goes, no, no, I want the Viper, which is a very specialized owner, for sure. I mean, I just see it, you know, get the ACR track hot version and just and go conquer yeah i yeah. see it i see it for sure you don't for even sure. have to divide you just go <laughs> you just go conquer yeah uh speaking of uh, large muscle cars rescue pet motorsports and also this is this is present because we're currently shooting corvettes he's asking about the c8 i actually really like this question he's asking about the c8 because pictures are leaking out there that look uh, it must be real they're testing it on the ring right <laughs> so the pictures are real yeah on the so internet. anyway so there's the, the zora is what it's being discussed as being called. Mm-hmm. The finally, here it is, the mid-engine Corvette is coming. It's part of the reason we're doing the feature film. All this stuff relates. But he's asking the question about, wait a minute. This car is going mid-engine. It's never bid mid-engine. Should it really still be thought of as a Corvette? And by his throwdown comparison, he says, what about if somebody came up with a front engine and named it the Porsche 911? He's saying, is this as much of a switch that it should be a different car? I love this question, but here's my answer. Twofold. And we're going to get into this a little bit in the film, but twofold. First off, the Corvette 
has changed a lot more than the 911 over its 65 years. Oh, dramatically so. Because yes. the Corvette really does start as a boulevard cruiser. And Absolutely. now there's the C7 Z06 Z51 package, or Z71 package, whatever it is, and the new uh, ZR1 that mm-hmm. are about as far from a boulevard cruiser as you can get. So it's already done that change. It also starts with a inline six, and it winds up with supercharged V8s. I mean, it's it had has, small blocks. It's had big blocks. Exactly. It has changed a number of times and stayed the Corvette. Also, the reason that the C8 is going to be called the Zora is because this guy, Zora Dunkoff, that was working on, he started working halfway through the C1 generation when it mm-hmm. first started. And right then, even though it didn't happen until 60-plus years later, he was talking about, wouldn't it be cool if this car was mid-engined? It was talked about way early in the program. So while it is a huge seismic shift, and I've mentioned before, I think Corvette should be a sub-brand at GM, and there should be the, the mid-engine Zora at the top that, that's like 250 grand. There should be the current C8-style big front-engine V8 mm-hmm. that is around 100 grand, and there should be an 86 competitor at around 30. And that should be the Corvette lineup. Yeah. But yeah. take that away for a second. My point is, I think the Corvette has the ability to morph more than most modern sports cars because it's been around so long and has had so many little weird, why'd you do that now, kind of tweaks. And the 911 has been kind of that recipe all the time. Well, you're right. It's been the, the same engine, a flat six, in the rear for the entire 55-year run now Yeah, yeah. of the 911. Yeah, it's kind of been the same, even though the car has grown and morphed and all that stuff. Wheelbase changed, all that stuff. But I'm looking at the spy photos of the C8. Yeah. And I'm thinking R8 in my head. I'm thinking, hmm, proportionally, I'm seeing R8 stuff in there. Okay. And then I think of the Ford GT and what a throwdown that was with beautiful flying buttresses and Mm -hmm. the fact that they went away from a V8. Mm-hmm. And they're trying things, and it just it shocked everybody. And yeah, it's yeah, gorgeous yeah. and beautiful. In these spy photos, I'm not seeing beautiful. I'm not seeing proportion that is amazing to me. I'm not. Again, it's really early at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. It's very early. It's still covered in the camo wrap. Sure. They're saying, you know, the everything is speculation at this point, but mm-hmm. somewhere around a thousand horsepower. Well, it's got to be. It's got to have electric assist. It's got to have future tech on this car. But I'm thinking just the proportions are putting it in kind of an R8 category for me. I'm not seeing like a super wide, low, long, gorgeous something coming out of it. I'm just seeing, well, we're trying the mid-engine thing. I'll be very curious to see it for real because I feel like under the camo it looks like a 430. It's got that shape. I'm I'm just seeing lots of Audi R8 in it. Okay, interesting. And just proportionally, just okay. window height to body size. Sure, height sure, sure. And overhangs. Yeah, and yeah length you're good at that. And all that sure. kind of yeah. stuff. I'm just saying, all right, are they toying with us? Are they really just doing this? Because I want to see gorgeous stuff, not just a, all right, that's, you know, pretty standard Corvette, even though... <laughs> You know they've well, and that's they're doing something crazy, and I'm that's just, the challenge. You've got to you've got to wind up theoretically with a front end, a a hood, a nose that looks like it should be a Corvette, while the whole body size size and shape has changed. That's a challenge. Think a of the market challenge. that they're entering with yes, this car now. For sure, Acura NSX. For sure, Audi R8. Mm-hmm. Huracans. Yep, Aventadors. Because it's bound to be at least one hundred and fifty grand. It's got to probably. Be. Closer to touching two hundred grand. Yeah, and Ford you got a GT lot of competition there. Four hundred thousand dollars supercar that you can't yeah. buy. Yeah, 
None of us can and, buy it. And it won't be that big. It, I think it's going to be right in the upper 100,000 range. I sus- I'm, that's my guess. My guess is, you know, 160 loaded out, you might touch 180, 200. I think that's where this car is going to live. And there's a lot of competition there. So let me ask this question back at you. Okay. In response, before we move on. Sure. The taillights on the C7. Everybody screamed mm-hmm. about the taillights that they weren't even close to oval or round or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't going to age well and they were going to be terrible. Do you like them now? Good question. Good question. And to answer the not the 911 question, mm-hmm. Porsche kind of did. The Porsche 928 was going to be the 911 replacement. You're right. That You're right. was the car. And they yeah. were headed that direction. Somebody wisely said, you know what? We should continue the 911. But they at least were going to call it the 928, not the 911. Still. True. But I take your point. But they yeah. did try that architecture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was really inspired by the Corvette, actually. Man. It was that layout that was inspired Interesting. by what Corvette was doing. And you know, here we are now. But... Do you like the taillights on the C7? I think they're awesome. This week, we are the all Corvette all the time podcast, but uh, hey, glad, glad to have you join us. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot for sure. All right. Ariopolis on Instagram asked, how do you avoid the annoying drop of gas that always seems to come out <laughs> when you remove the nozzle from the car when you're filling up? I always get a drop of gas on the paint. Hates okay. it. Okay. I have the answer. I will be delicate with my reply. I'm surprised. Not surprised, actually, at all. Of course because I avoid this drop. Of course you do. I avoid the drop. Okay. So when you're removing the nozzle, slowly as it's coming out, so you're turning your hand 180 degrees, so the, the tip of the nozzle now is pointing to the sky. And any residual fuel is now draining down the side of the nozzle, and you don't do it quickly. You just kind of wait and watch where that drip's going, because... Ideally, not all pumps have this, but they have that rubber grommet Mm -hmm. around the base of it. Again, not all of them do. Yeah. But you're kind of slowly twisting at 180 degrees and and just watch for that extra fuel to run down the nozzle and then pull it away from the car. Folks, I've seen this. It's like ballet. I, I've seen this done. (laughs) It's it's, it's one of those things that actually, as Paul's sitting here and he's kind of doing the motion, I'm realizing... I have noticed him do this every time he's filled up a car. We fill up cars for – it's so ingrained in my friend Paul. Yeah. That when we fill up cars for the shoot that are not our cars. It still happens. And it's this weird subconscious ballet thing. <laughs> I've never until this minute realized what was happening. And I realized it's in the back of my head. And now I'm going, uh-huh. I should be doing that. It's drop avoidance techniques. Of course it is. Of course it is. Hate the drop. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just going, yeah, all right, gas inside of that car. This is how you and I are fundamentally different. Fundamentally. One of the many, many ways. Well, it comes from the Cayman. I don't want the gas on the side of my car. I'm with you. Of course. Of right. course you don't. Uh, Derek, our friend Derek, wrote in and said, okay, driving etiquette question. Do you still need to look over your shoulder when you're changing lanes? Excellent If question. you're moving significantly faster than traffic. I'm not going to say that I am meticulous about this, but the right answer is yes, you do need to. Because... Yeah. Pieces on the board are moving. But I will say this to you, Derek, and I know at one point I think you owned an Elise. I never miss checking the blind spot in the Elise. Never. Mm-hmm. Because the blind spot is enormous yeah. and stuff sneaks up on that car, just like visually sneaks up. I, I had no idea that guy was hiding there. And I have to like – you've seen the, the my, one of my uh, recent videos on it, my most recent video on it. I've got a new one coming. But I talk about actually leaning forward to look over my shoulder. And there's aftermarket little bubble mirrors you can get in all kinds of stuff because that car has a surprisingly bad blind spot. And you're so low. Stuff just hides. Hmm. So I don't care if I'm moving faster than traffic and uh, still keeping track of – I've talked about playing chess while driving. Still keeping track of where everybody is. I'm still looking all the time. I will say it varies on the car. When you get into a car with a more of a bubble cockpit mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. start to have much more peripheral vision, sure, just awareness, 
I start to do it less. But in the Lotus, I do it every time. Derek, I'm adamant about yes. I'm absolutely adamant because of the on-ramps. And I've been surprised by motorcycles accelerating hard on my mm. right. Mm. And I started to move over and then I catch a, something out of my corner of my eye. And I go, oh yeah. my gosh, a bike yeah. is just on it coming past me. I thought I was moving fast. No, no, the bikes are coming up behind me and sure. they're merging hard. Sometimes that happens with sports cars, but I'm yeah. just, yeah, yeah. why not? What do you have to lose is my question by checking. Mm. You've got everything to lose. If you don't, you run into somebody. That's true. That's but true. if you just quick glance and you make sure... Because somebody could be accelerating on that on-ramp real hard. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, oh, there was a question from Dammit Patton talking about the 992-911. Since we're doing design analyses on these cars. On cars that have been under wraps. Okay, sure. What are my thoughts on these design changes? And we've been t- hearing things about how robotic that back end is looking with the full width taillight strip. Mm-hmm across the back and and the dead on shots which is a shot you will never see you're always going to see it in the wild from a three-quarter angle yeah, you, are, you are you're never going to see it perfectly orthographic very, yeah, rear elevation early. shot yeah, interesting point. ever yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it relates okay think of the 3.2 carrera yeah it's got a taillight strip across the back sure yeah it does the 993 does yeah. the 964 does there's yeah. a history of there's this. There's a history of that, for sure. Now, the difference is that line meets the bumper shape, and so there's a visual change. There's a visual difference, mm, whereas on the 992, okay. it does not. I believe, uh, maybe, it, maybe it is right along the bumper line, the urethane cover, actually, mm-hmm. but this is so mm. much higher. It looks a little bit different to the eye, and you think, all right, that just looks like a you know, cyborg, robotic. Sure, sure, sure yeah. I kind sort of stripped of Star, Star Trek car, yeah. But there's a precedence of this in Porsche's 911s. Interesting point, interesting point. Yeah. And it, it relates. And I think once it's out, we're going to... I will like it. I once it's out, I'll make fun of the fact that... Is, is that the new me. 911 or is that the old 911? Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't it look the same? <sighs> yeah, anyway, no. there's all that. Uh, David asked a tough question on on Twitter. He okay. said... How do you approach doing a pre-purchase inspection for a car from a dealer? He's talking about buying a used mm-hmm. car from a dealer. How do you pull this off? Two thoughts on this. Uh, first off, David, here's my question. Depending upon what kind of dealer are you buying from, are you buying from like the corner dealer that has random stuff? And they're not like they're not like your local Chevy dealer that has a used car lot. I'm talking about it's the car lot that has 10 cars on it and it has, you know, uh, sunny Coast Car Dealer, you know, whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's, it's <laughs> that, that probably kind of exists, by Pro- the way. I'm sure it does. Probably There's probably one in many, many places. If it's that kind of place, it's like a little corner dealer, and they won't allow you to do a PPI, don't buy that car. Yeah. But if it's like you're buying it from the Chevy dealer and they have a used lot, I think in most cases, catch me if I'm wrong, it's going to depend a little bit on the dealer, but the stuff on their used lot, it may not be CPO because it may be a Chevy dealer and they're selling a Mazda. They're not going to make that CPO, obviously. Of course. But they've done some sort of check on that car themselves. They have information about how are the brakes, what's going on. They've at least looked at it, mm-hmm. okay? So if they won't allow you to do a PPI, but they can give you their information that they did, I think it starts to blur the line a lot. For most cars, I'm with you on that. For most cars, you're safe doing it. You can simply ask that dealership to do it mm-hmm. because there's a basic checklist and they'll get their eyeballs on the basic parts. Exactly. The, the, and the basic the axle PPI. boots not torn totally. or they, you know, things like that. The basic PPI, I want you to finish that thought, but the, but the thing about the basic PPI is very different than what happens with the Lotus, for example. The basic yes. PPI, there's a kind of standard stuff that you take it to your 
your corner garage to do a pre-purchase inspection, mm-hmm. they're going to have a very similar checklist to what the Chevy dealer did if, did if they do it. Right, right. And in the case of your Lotus or a specialty Porsche or any specialty car, yeah. if it, let's say it's a Mazda RX-8 sitting on the lot. Okay, sure. It's sure, sure. kind of a specialty car, and there's bit. maybe yeah. a few things you want to have checked. You could ask the dealer to drive it across town to the place of your choice. You could say, call them up and say, I'm yeah. interested in buying the car from you guys, but... There's a few specialty items that I really want to check. I don't think they'd really mind. It's gonna it's gonna really depend on the dealer you're talking to. It depends. To, yeah. And you could say, would you mind driving it yeah. instead of you taking it off the lot? Have them drive it across town. Maybe you have to throw them a little bit of something and yeah, who knows? now get the PPI done at the specialty RX eight shop or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But the Lotus, well, I still kid you that you had to take it to the Rolls Royce dealer because exactly. that's where the Lotus tech works. It was insane. It was insane. <laughs> but at the same time, the breakdown I got on that car would have never come from anywhere else I would have taken for a PPI. First it and was, last time you'll ever be at a Rolls dealer? Yes. It was <laughs> It was the specific Lotus check. I mean, I've even got the breakdown yeah. that shows, and I've seen it on other Lotuses since then, I've even got the breakdown that shows the percentage of life of the engine it has, it has spent at every major RPM. Yeah. I mean, I can see, oh, it's been at that amount of RPM for this kind of percentage. It's, it's shocking. In sixth gear at this RPM, it's been that for 4% of its life. It's absurd. Amazing. No normal little PPI corner shop is going to pull that off for you. But that's a very unique, weird car, too. Yeah, yeah. You've just got to be careful with the car. But, you know, sometimes they can do it for you. But otherwise, keep investigating. What else on here? Oh, Alex R. Oh, I like this one, too. That's good. He asked on Facebook... He tossed out this question again, he said, but he thinks that we can speak to this uh, because of the higher mileage racing and drifting that we've done. Mm -hmm. What things do you look for in a higher mileage car to be confident enough to autocross or track it? Is it just maintenance related? Is it just a feeling? Is it just a thumbs up from your trusted mechanic? Mm -hmm. Well, there's elements to all that, Alex. As a matter of fact, you're touching on a lot of it. The maintenance has got to be there. Agreed. Agreed. That's the foundation, the cornerstone upon mm-hmm. which any other feeling is built. Yep. Yep. If the maintenance records are there, if everything is there, then we go into the, huh, well, use your own eyeballs. Do things feel pretty tight and solid about the rest of the yeah. car? The handbrake, the seats, the, you know, the way the door opens and closes and mm. everything about that. Does it feel like, ooh, this car might have been repainted and put back together and not very well? <laughs> that seems not Her, normal. Yeah. Not so good. Or is it really solid looking and then you've got... The thumbs up from your mechanic verifying, mm-hmm. you know what, I've done a, a safety inspection on the car. You know what, I think you're good to go. Just keep maintaining it. Sometimes with the higher mileage cars, you've got to kind of over-maintain and bring that mileage mindset into the, all right, maybe we'll yeah. do a 3,000-mile oil change instead of the five, even though I'm using synthetic. Just yeah. do it. Well, and if it's a car you just bought, you, you pretty much have to get go, okay, I just bought this car. Look, the Lotus is going through this, okay? Mm-hmm. I bought it at the end of last summer. I did one little 15-minute kind of shakedown session for the track. Right. And then this summer, knowing we have it uh, on a tra- our meetup track day coming up, I'm now doing stuff I know it needs, okay? Mm-hmm. But, the, but the biggest thing that's happened across the board on that car is just consumables. It's needing tires. It's needing brakes. It's needing brake fluid. All the stuff that wears out, if you've just bought this car and you plan to track it, plan to change all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you can get, like Paul said, get get a mechanic that is aware that cars get taken to the track. There are those mechanics that are going to be like, you want a track set up? You want what? <laughs> you want you know, what now? Seriously. But take it to people that have actually track prepped a car before and just go, I'm going to take this to the track. Look at it and tell me what it needs. Mm-hmm. And you got to replace that stuff. But once you do, why not? We are off to go shooting. There's more shooting to be done the rest of this week. Yes, for sure. We're buried 
Guys, thank you for your questions. We really appreciate them. Keep asking. We're going to post again and uh, looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.